everybody, this is No Bullshit Gaming Podcast <clears throat> Two and a Half Gamers Session number 43. We are sharing actionable insights, dropping knowledge from our day-to-day UA, game design and administration drops, but also discussing writers industry news from time to time while having so much fucking fun. Again, so <clears throat> much fucking fun. So let's not forget this 4am conference discussion vibe. Let's not take it super seriously. And today we have a special guest, Joseph Kim. Joe. Hello. Welcome here. Uh, Thank you. For, yeah. Welcome, you guys welcome, look great, on. especially Jakob. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jakob, don't worry. I will draw you uh, again. Oh, oh, here you go. Oh, he came no? back. No. no. Yeah. He's pointing at himself. <laughs> Do you, you have any? You're very important, don't you, <clears throat> Remy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did anything like fall into your eye and you're trying to get it out? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, so as you might, might hear now, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I want to ask JK some questions uh, about how uh, is the game development uh, working. And we lost Jakub now. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Right, let's let's continue and we'll, we'll see what happens uh, when he joins again. So JK, like quick intro for sure. some people who don't know you. I think like there's like two of them in the whole world that doesn't know you. So. <laughs> I'm not really that famous, but okay. Oh, yeah, of course. Come on. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, come I'm, on. I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick. Okay, so yeah. you want an intro? Okay. So, yeah, just like two, two sentences. <laughs> okay. So I'll say, uh, let's see. I uh, have been in game development since about 2010, 2011. Started in social, then uh, shifted over to mobile and uh, worked for some like big Asian publishers and then worked at Fun Plus, uh, led development on King of Avalon, Forex, China, uh, then shifted over to Sega, mobile game publishing uh, at Sega, NBC Universal. Then, um, then have been now trying to start a game studio here in India. I'm in Bangalore and we're trying to we're trying to do something here. We're trying to like take yeah. a team, but actually very similar to the strategy that I learned at Fun Plus. And so, mm. uh, you know, Fun Plus at that time was not like the number one publisher in Forex as it is today. Uh, kind of had early teams that were still learning. Um, had this kind of model where we brought leads from around the world into China, trying to do the same mm. thing here in India. Uh, and as I was talking to Felix before we started recording, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not easy, not easy, but uh, you know, yeah, try my best. Game development. Welcome to game yeah, development. Yeah. It's exactly. Hard. It's fucking hard. But yeah. also, okay. So, why India? Why not, for example, Slovakia? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I think that. Well, first of all, I, I would say that if you were to one of the ways that we approach this, uh, and um, when I say we, uh, my co-founder Paul Layden. Uh, who I met at Fun Plus working on King of Avalon um, and uh, I have another co-founder, but when we were kind of trying to think about, you know, building a game studio, we try to think about it from a blank slate perspective. So if we were starting from zero, uh, what would you do and how would you build long-term competitive advantage, right? And so um, we we call that a structural advantage and it's very similar to the concept that Amazon has. I don't know if you guys read uh, Amazon shareholder newsletters, but there was a year in which Jeff Bezos talked about if you're ever going to compete, you never want to compete on a level playing field. And so mm. what are the ways in which if you're starting a new game studio, you can somehow 
build in structural advantage to your company. And so to your point, whether it's India or Slovakia, mm -hmm. but if you think about it, there aren't that many places in the world to build, right? So if you think about, yeah. there are certain geographies with specific regional advantages, like, you know, I would say Eastern Europe, Russia, you've got some hardcore tech guys out there. Yeah. Um, a lot of love for hardcore, you know, military shooter type yeah. type of games. Latin America has really great artists, for example. And so there's there's like, you know, there's also certainly cost structure advantage. Uh, one of the things that I look, looked at from like four years ago was when you looked at uh, R&D, uh, R&D as a percentage of bookings across major public companies, what you saw was there was a major advantage from the non-Western companies. And so mm -hmm. um, when you think about where to go in the world, uh, Eastern Europe, we felt that there was too much geopolitical risk there. And some, some of our friends who run Corp Dev at like EA and other companies, like they weren't touching Eastern Europe and um, they advised us to, to also be, be careful yeah. and we did. China has a lot of uh, legal, regulatory, geopolitical issues as well. And I think there are other countries like Germany and Finland. Um, I, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a cultural, cultural difference. So, oh, yeah. uh, so that didn't work. Uh, and so, you know, we kind of looked a lot at um, Lat LATAM, which I, I do think is still, I, I hope to build a studio out in somewhere like maybe Colombia or yeah, Sao yeah. Paulo or something like that someday. Uh, Colombia is great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, amazing country, exactly. amazing people, amazing food, amazing, yeah. basically everything. But, you know, I came out to IGDC, which is like uh, India's biggest game development, development um, conference a couple of years ago. Uh, met with an Indian studio here. We kind of tried to work together. One thing that I was impressed by was when we were kind of collaborating with the studio out here that it seemed like there were a lot of folks who were really just eager to learn and to improve. And so I felt like we could try and do the, the Fun Plus model here. And so that was kind of the strategy. Um, and so that was, so, so the basis of choosing India was both, one, we had met somebody we thought we could, um, partner up with to uh, who wound up being one of our co-founders, uh, Avinash Pandey, who is our CTO. And he had worked on a shooter game mm -hmm. before India's number one shooter game. And, you know, the cost structure advantage, of course. And then basically um, we felt that um, we would have a, a competitive advantage in terms of uh, trying to get talent to our studio um, because a, a lot of the, the stuff, that that's operated out of India is largely, for example, like live ops, not new game development, mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, kind of hyper casual, casual stuff. And so we felt like if we were one of the few companies trying to develop a big ambitious project here, that hopefully we could find a lot of really great talent that would want to join our studio. Um, mm -hmm. And that has been true to some degree, but okay. certainly, you know, it has been uh, just, since we're being brutally honest, uh, yeah. you know, it, yeah, you no know, bullshit, I, no bullshit. Yeah, it, you know, like, um, and, and I know a number of other studios. So I've, I've talked to like five other companies that have set up here or have tried to set up here. And, you know, I will say it's uh, people who come here. And I know there's a lot coming here because I, I, I've got a number of requests asking for advice about India. They're, they're going to, you know, they're going to be in for some pain. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> uh, but I will say this, the, the, like some of the folks that we have hired here are incredible. So if you have the ability to, to navigate hiring the right people and finding that needle in a haystack, that needle is absolute gold. 
right? So like uh, I'm, I'm working with, a, you know, like I hired um, a couple of PMs that, that we trained from, from scratch in, in the sense that they haven't had product management experience. I put them against any PM anywhere in the world, except I think we're better. So, nice. so it's possible to build world-class talent in areas. And I, I think over time, uh, it'll probably take us a little while to longer than we thought to get there. I do think, um, you know, it was for whatever reason, it was a little bit easier in China, but uh, we're going to get there or I'm going to die trying. Yeah. Aren't you afraid that uh, those PMs will just leave and uh, join some other companies? Nope. Okay. Perfect. Bravo. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and, and by the way, like, I, I think we're going to, you know, we're probably going to, we're looking for another producer uh, who will eventually convert to a PM. So if anyone out there is looking for a job in India, hit a brother up and, uh, you know, we can uh, check you out. We'll turn you into a world-class product okay. manager. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that um, once we get that third person, if one person wanted to leave, I think we'd be fine. Um, yeah, and I do think, though, that uh, based upon my conversations with, with the folks here, it, it seems like, you know, like one of the guys says, I'm never leaving. I was like, all right. Oh, <laughs> well, that's great. Well, that's the best, that's the pro best approach to work and, uh, and great lo loyalty as well. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, but I, I guess you, you already said uh, that, like, is it only because of the CTO that you started building the, the shooter game? or like, Well, I don't uh, think that's the only reason, right? So, like, again, okay. I, I think if you're looking at different countries or cities, there are not that many places, right? So, again, not, not Eastern Europe, not China. Um, and, you know, we did look at Latin America, which I think is potentially viable for the future. I would love to set up shop in, you know, Ukraine once, uh, once shit settles down out over there, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> I'd love to do that. Uh, but for right now, we're, we're all in on India and we're going to live or die, uh, based upon the, you know, our success here. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. But why, why should we game then? Because there's like, this the, the question <clears throat> that is being like on my yeah, mind. Yeah. 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 Sure. Said, okay. Well, we are building shooter games. All good. All good. Yeah. Okay. Why? Yeah. So, why? so. Actually, even before we came out to India, uh, when uh, Paul Layden and I were first thinking about starting a company, we actually started by writing on a board. We, I, I call it the billion-dollar board. Basically, what are different <laughs> nice. what are different ideas for games that we think can achieve a billion dollars in life of product revenue? Mm. Right. I mean, um, okay. and uh, and you know, kind of our thinking was we just need to do it one more time. So. Uh, so we wrote down a number of five ideas on the board and one of them was shooter. And when we looked at the market, you know, it kind of like the confluence of, of, of things that we were looking for. Uh, one was, um, where are market trends heading and where, where do we think the market is going? A uh, second is what do we have interest or passion for? And third is what are we uniquely qualified to compete in? Mm. Okay. And so when we looked at the trends, we saw that there was huge organic growth in shooters. And so uh, what we saw basically with, uh, you know, it wasn't just, for example, Battle Royale, PUBG, yeah. et, et cetera. It was a confluence of, of factors that actually propelled shooters in the mobile gaming space, right? And so it was not only um, that particular kind of gameplay, but we had devices. And if you guys remember before, 
when devices weren't as performant or the sensitivity wasn't as good, you had things like sniper kind kind of shooter games, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a confluence of device performance, of the gameplay, also backend infrastructure and costs, things like netcode, things like that becoming more widely available so that the ability to deliver a game uh, that's economically viable really got unlocked, like, you know, call it three years ago. And so we saw that explosive growth. And so... From our perspective, what we thought about was, okay, when we look at the market, um, there's a huge amount of, um, uh, so I, I think if you, if, if I remember the numbers correctly, 86, 87% of the market was two subgenres. It was either um, Team Deathmatch or Battle Royale. And if you think about uh, basically the way that games generally tend to progress or evolve, uh, and just look at the history of any game, is that oftentimes you'll see something that I call subgenre um, uh, expansion, right? Um, and basically, you know, like for example, look at Match Three. So you started yeah. off with a linear saga map, and then from there you had like you know meta-based games like uh, uh, Playrix's Homescapes, uh, Gardenscapes. Then you had like you know deeper uh, gotcha-based games like Puzzle and Dragon. Then you had like light social like Tomb Blast. And so you have like these different subgenres that emerge that may actually be as big as original subgenres from which they uh, expanded off of, right? And so what we were thinking is that if we kind of go into Shooter, we study it deeply, that the trends we're speaking to, if we didn't go up head to head against Timmy, Lightspeed, oh, and yeah. these other guys yeah. in Battle Royale and Team Deathmatch, that we felt that we could probably um, compete in a new subgenre. And again, if we were early into the subgenre, made the right bet, that you know, we could potentially win and we would be faster to move into that subgenre and potentially serve specific players looking for a new gameplay shooter experience. So that's the, the market side. Um, and, and then in, in terms of like our interests, uh, you know, I'm more of a MOBA type guy or RPG guy, but mm -hmm. Paul loves shooters. So from an interest perspective, you know, he's, he's the one leading design on the game. So it's like, all right, cool. Interest, trends. And then, you know, in terms of like what we bring specifically, I would say, you know, we've never made a, a shooter game. Now, you know, yeah. Paul has launched multiple number one top grossing games in 4X. I led the development of a number one top grossing game in, in 4X. And, but what we felt was, even though we didn't have shooter experience, mm -hmm that there were certain characteristics from 4X that we could bring into Shooter to create that unique kind of experience that would be differentiated from uh, you know, Team Deathmatch and from Battle Royale. And so that's kind of what we're doing now is we're, we're creating a game. And I know like, and basically we're, we're making the extraction shooter plus, plus some crazy shit. But what we <laughs> felt- shit is always good. <laughs> what we felt is that crazy shit would be things that other studios do not think of and that we are uniquely qualified to, to integrate into and provide this different experience based upon, not because we're from Shooter, but because we're not from Shooter, but because we're coming from 4X and some of the defining characteristics of 4X we could kind of bring into the, the, the Shooter genre. Any, any crazy shit you can, you can mention? That, well, uh, sure. I mean, I could kind of articulate at a like from from a high level. One right? example. One example. Okay. Well, let, let me put it to you this way. So, okay. so what what are the top? The, there's this kind of for me three defining characteristics of very successful forex games. So one is deep emotion. 
right? And so like, if you understand how to design mechanics with high emotion, you're very successful in Forex. And so in a Forex game, there are players where it's really driven off of emotion and really kind of revenge mechanics, right? Because in a Forex, you could like, let's say you invested a thousand, two thousand $2,000 into building up your, you know, your kingdom and all, all your stuff. And then, and then you get essentially what's called being zeroed where you lose everything. You may spend $2,000 trying to get revenge. Okay. So not that we're going for revenge mechanics, but this notion of designing for emotion, designing for a specific kind of emotional experience that we're trying to bring players is something that we've kind of perfected in the Forex space. Yeah. And we felt has not been done in the way we felt it could be done in shooter games. Now, Battle Royale, for example, is, is a game that uh, provides something that I call high climax, okay? Uh, and that, that's because in the end, if you get number one, you know, you, it's, 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 you know, like, um, you know, I, I remember a few years ago, I, I went to my, my, my son's friend's birthday party and there was, a, there was like a kid, like a 10 year old kid who was playing Fortnite and he got number two. And when he got killed, he got so mad. It's not even his house. He threw the controller across the room and almost broke the TV. And I was like, oh shit, you know, but that, that kind of emotional experience, right? Yeah. So uh, three defining characteristics, emotion, designing for emotion. Second, uh, monetization, right? And so in a Forex game, uh, we are, I don't know, I would consider us one of the best in terms of how do you drain economies? right? Like how do you design games to take shit away rather than, for example, when you look at the top shooter monetization models in the market today, uh, basically designed around cosmetics battle pass, right? And, and there are a lot of problems that a lot of, um, I would even say a lot of top designers don't really understand the, the kind of problems you get from just going for cosmetics in a battle pass, but it's hard unless you're at pretty big scale to continue to monetize against cosmetics. Uh, so we uh, are better at draining economies, consumables-based monetization models. And we felt that, um, especially if we were to move to a different kind of gameplay model, more of a stakes-based extraction shooter type of model, that we would be able to enable a monetization model that works for a shooter game that would not be considered um, well, I mean, we may still be considered pay to win, but we're going to like it might be considered fair to yeah, play yeah. or more fair to play than than, than, than average. And yeah, um, okay. yeah, so emotion, uh, monetization and social. Right. And so when you look at a lot of games and a lot of like uh, mobile game developers and designers, you know, their idea of social is, hey, we've got chat. We've got, you know. Yeah. A guild. We're, yeah. we're a really social game. It's like, eh, yeah. you know, uh, in, in 4X, you, you've got you've got players on a real-time map moving around. It's like, okay, you know, you got a wonder. You've got people trying to teleport into a corner. You know, you've got enemy alliances. You got you have different roles. You have a lot of coordination, communication that, that occurs in a 4X game. And that level of social, I, I, we're, we're going to take social up to 11, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, some of, some of the crazy shit. Cause, cause I, I gotta tell you guys, Paul, Paul's a fucking genius. And like, so, and, and we, actually we, we also, I'm not sure if we can announce it yet, but we got, we also have another really great guy. Um, I don't know if he wants me to, to, to announce this or not, but first time anyone's hearing about it, 
from uh, from MZ and Machine Zone, who has basically joined us, but I think we're going to keep it on the download for now. Yeah, but yeah. like some of the shit these guys are designing is crazy. Now, whether we'll be able to execute it or not, that's that's part of why you know, as I was telling you, Felix, you know, this yeah. this shit is hard, right? Like, um, yeah. you know, I was I was I was on a call with my wife this last week, and she's like, "Man, why is your face all fucked up?" You know, it's just like, <laughs> dude, yeah. Yeah, the amount of stress, guys, it's it's a little crazy, but. Um, you know, it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's it's good and it's bad. It's a part of the job. Yeah. yeah. By the way, if 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 you're talking about the monetization and especially the like, uh, who's this ghost? Is that you? Yeah, the, the draining, the draining ability of uh, forex economy. I mean, like for me, it's usually the destruction of property, and like that's how I see it. That this is like the edge that. Forex has over other games there. So you also already considering something in that manner that you will be using destruction of property? Uh, no, well, I would say like, um, well, I, I think the most classical examples are destruction of troops, right? Clash of clans, yeah, yeah, that's war, things, things, things like that. Yeah. Um, property, not so much, but um, I do think that uh, we do have, so, so we do persist a lot more than a typical shooter game, right? And so, a part of what we're doing is we're, we're, we're taking gameplay experience, but we're also innovating a lot on the meta, on the system side. And so we've got... Um, there we go. System and vectors. <laughs> Fuck my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Multiple... Hey, hey, if anyone talks about progression vectors, they got it for me. Okay. So we are, we are persisting multiple vectors of progression in our systems. Amazing. And uh, yeah, we, we got, again, you know, this is one of these issues where, you know, the, 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 the standard... Uh, orthodoxy thinking is okay guys you should you should only innovate your 10 to 15 percent and then the rest is the same and we just kind of threw that out the fucking window we're like hey let's go fucking crazy now we're probably gonna have to scale back right but like i i i (laughs) but you know we're 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 doing our best to try and figure out what's cool and it's hard as 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 you guys probably know and we'll, we'll we'll see what happens but i guess for us, we're 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 taking our shot, right? We're uh, we're 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 going for the home run, and we'll we'll see what happens. So, another question for me on monetization side, just you know, the million dollar question from my side, from Admon: Are you going to put in-game ads in this game? I don't think so. I mean, we we might, mm, but you know, it's not. Yeah. yeah. So, like every study I did back in the day, and it's been a while, is that um, Admon cannibalizes IAP. Now, I I don't know if. Like you can do, like, I remember there was some controversy around um, the ability to do uh, various types of segmentation so that you can only truly target like non-payers with, with ads, but every other like study I saw. or like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah but um, besides that, um, you know, because like, it, it, you know, it comes down to the value exchange, right? And so like, if I'm getting 0.01 gems for watching an ad, like the player's gonna be like, fuck that, right? And so like then if you have to offer 50 gems, but then you know the the you know the dollar cost is a lot higher, then then it kind of it kind of fucks you on the on the yeah. cannibalization. So that's true on one side. I think like there are some some shooter examples, I think uh, mainly from Turkey. And they those guys, I think Critical Strike, they have uh 50-50 split in terms of uh, ads versus uh, in-apps. And it's not only like great for for monetization, but it's also great for you. But they did they A B test that whether the uh... I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 go ahead. When I think about shooters, it's like typically like they tend to add ads if a user has been in the game for X amount of time without making a purchase. Sure, That's kind of sure. yeah, the thing yeah, behind shooters, I think. Yeah, and, and that's that's where, you know, I, I mentioned like we haven't thought about it that much yet. I mean, I'm sure we'll think about it later. But where, if I remember correctly, I'm not sure whether you can do, or I guess maybe you can do that. But if we have the ability to do that stuff, we'll certainly look at it. But I just, I remember the, at least during the time that I looked at it last, there was some uncertainty whether you could specifically target um, ads only to a select group of players or not. If you guys, if you guys know better what, what the current state of here is. The, the okay, yeah. So tell me, Felix, what should we do? You, you, tell, you, yeah. tell, you tell me. <laughs> have a really good plan for having rewarded ads but seriously like uh usually what people start testing is they put rewarded ads in on day three or day five uh yeah. after like uh, attracting a user and basically seeing how many rewarded ads they actually watch and then you can work out the ad ltv based on that yeah. and then you can see if it's actually cannibalization or if it's incremental typically what i've seen is uh people tend to have ads in some geos and some geos they don't or they basically right. as soon as someone makes an in-app purchase they take away the ads completely right right yeah. and, and and then do we like what, what what's your thoughts on then setting up the, the the bot farm to click on all the ads so that we get a lot of um ad revenue hey, well, I mean, <laughs> maybe you can, you can set that up in china or india like, yeah. Yeah. great okay well yeah. <clears throat> what about those uh, those uh, ad revenue from the the bots? Uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, and like one question I, I also had in mind: uh, any anything from the UA perspective that that you've done already in, at this stage, or are you planning to do something? No, no, no. Yeah, I I think that like, um, and if you want to go into like controversial topics, oh, like yeah, we, Ooh, okay, yes, okay, yes, right, of course. No, Friday, Friday, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go into some controversy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you talk to any venture capitalist today, and especially now, the common wisdom is, oh, you, you better be validating your product oh, as yeah, much yeah, as you yeah, can. Yeah. Exactly. You know, um, <laughs> th that, that only works for certain things, right? If you're, if you're working on some crazy shit, really? Yeah, how can you validate? I, yeah, how can I, I've, I've, seen that, I've seen that go so wrong so often, so many companies that have wasted so much time and money. And then you got these VCs that have never made a game in their life <laughs> or a top grossing game. Yeah. yeah, of course. And like, okay, thank you for the advice. <laughs> but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I'm going to do. Now, look, product validation makes sense. But then how do you do that product validation is situationally, like you have to understand your situational context, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and, and so uh, I would say for us, we take more of the, oh, by, by the way, so do, do you guys understand like the primary models of, well, this is just my own theory, right? Okay, so I'll, I'll explain my theory of product validation. And I'm not sure if this is a widely held model or not, but it's a model that, that, that um, I believe in and I, I kind of came up with is so I believe that there's three primary models when it comes to product validation, okay? And there's, there's one which is kind of like, um, it's almost like a pyramid strategy. You're either at the top or the bottom. And, the, and, and when you're at the top, you're kind of like Blizzard or uh, say Respawn, where you believe you are the influencer, you are the tastemaker, you are the design god. Mm -hmm. And what you make for yourself is good for everybody. So if you like it, everybody's going to like it, right? And you are the tastemaker, influencer, leader. 
And at the bottom of the pyramid, I would call that the um, kind of more the bottoms up player driven approach, right? Riot, you know, um, player first, let's get all the feedback from our players. And so in that case, maybe we would have been doing more, more UA. And so, so you've got like the, um, like the top of the pyramid or the bottom of the pyramid model. And then the, the third approach, which is, um, and so we're more of, of like the first and the third. And uh, the, the third is more like um, you look for market trends and kind of like uh, product market fit in specific areas that you, but then you try to map that to what you're doing. So you look at trends, you look at, you know, for example, we look at Tarkov or we look at extraction shooters and we think, okay, well, if we were to try and map that um, to mobile, how would we do that? What would be the correct translation of that, right? And so, um, so we're a little bit of the first and the third, but you can't, you can't run ads on that or it's, it's harder, right? And I, I think the mistake that a lot of companies have, have done is to rely on uh, players' opinions for something that's not made yet or that's not well described. And so if you can't give, uh, if you can't give an audience something that they really understand or that's new, then you wind up with a lot of weird shit that happens, right? And so I've seen these like Frankenstein games, like some crazy, crazy shit because it's like, oh, we got to, and, and, it, it, and I'm going to tell you guys, right? This is brutally honest. So you want me to be as yeah. unhinged as possible. Know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, you got some guys who are basically just, uh, who are basically cowards, right? Execs at, at companies who are too cowardly to make a call. And they don't want to, they don't want, they, they, don't want to have the ability to have the finger pointed at them. So they're like, oh, well, we ran this study. We hired these yeah. consultants. They said we should have done this. And so if you're a pussy, yeah, of course, you're going to go for your, your your player validation and market research. <laughs> right? That's what I always say. Like, hey, so if you're if you're afraid of testing like iOS campaigns, blame blame that on, on me. I'm the consultant. You can blame right. me. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Monte's built a career off of this phenomenon. <laughs> Yeah, Throw like, me yeah, under yeah. the bus, boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, you would be surprised. You would be surprised. Like, uh -huh. oh, see, that's it. Okay. <laughs> well, easy then. Because uh, these days, like everybody's talking about, oh, well, you need to do market research and you need to do all these like market uh, marketability yeah. tests. Of course, I mean, it, it makes sense. But of course, like it makes sense to you to, have to, to understand the situational yeah, context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So. All right, so I guess that's your opinion about market research. <laughs> I don't like but, but I'm just trying to explain why we're not doing any UA, right? Because no, we're, no, no, we're, no, we're, no. we're in kind of early, mid-development, so. No, of course, of yeah. course, of course. But then, then uh, you know, the question is, if you, would, <clears throat> if you were in a different situation and, you know, like, okay, so you're most probably going to build something less crazy, would you do it? Or you would just ah yeah 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 so like let you know I think this is the who who is it um, was it Tomb Blast I, f I forgot the game but um, they basically created they they designed their game by looking at an existing successful game just going through all the ratings and reviews and reading all the comments and trying to fix those and then just testing a lot so that's a, I'm I'm not saying that's not a viable strategy but that yeah. depends on what what are you going for right what what do you yeah. What is your specific product strategy? And then you got to fit that with what you're doing. But like, I, I think that's the, that's the thing that we see time and time again, as whether it's product managers or, you know, kind of business leaders or strategists is that, you know, everybody with their hammer tries to hammer everything. Right. So like, you know, it's, um, this is a mistake that's going to be made 
over and over yeah. and over and over and over again, unfortunately. Of course. And you talked about uh, looking at like trends, but mm-hmm. how exactly are like, you looking at, into trends? Like what are what you can expect from the market? So okay. you sit down, look into the data AI or sensor tower, like looking at top grossing charts, like <clears> how, how do we approach that? Well, you know, it, it helps to be cool like I am. Of course, yeah. So, <laughs> because you, yeah, you get all the data, yeah, all, all the data from every. So it just kind of it kind of naturally flows into me, right? No, no, but yeah, I, I think it, it it comes from. I think it basically just comes from curiosity and yeah. you know what you have interest in, right? And so, like, I I do think that like if you are a hardcore, you know, CCG player and you're you're playing a lot of CCG games and you're looking at different kinds of things that. Um, that are interesting for you and you see different things happening in the world and you can tie those together, then um, I I think that's where you are trying to get insights, right? Where, um, and ideally insights that, that aren't obvious because that that's where you have the bigger market opportunities in in terms of the non-obvious insights. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Nice. Uh, And we have some, I think this is a question for all of us because I've been hearing this from different uh, sites, which is, uh, Death of uh, the free to play, or was because <laughs> all like like you said from the VC side, there are different uh, well information flowing in, and everybody's talking about like how free to play is dead. So, Felix, do you think uh, free to play is dead? I've gotten uh, three call requests from random like financial groups this week, and I did two <laughs> of these calls, and both of them asked like, "Is free to play dead? Is it over?" I'm like, "No." Absolutely not. It's not over. No, it's nowhere near to be over. And like none of the data says it is. And like everyone's saying, oh yeah, it's going down from last year. And I was like, man, you got to take out two outliers. We had two of the weirdest <clears throat> years ever, which was COVID. If you have a data set, you always take out the outliers. And if you look at 2019, mobile free to play is still growing. That's okay. JK, is mobile free to play that? Yeah, no. Yeah. I, so I agree with Felix. <laughs> I, I do think though that... Um, there's a little bit of a, a, a misunderstanding, though, where, you know, and, and it's kind of tied with this this whole concept or discussion around are games uh, recession resilient, for example, right? And, and, and the misunderstanding is that actually, I, I believe games perform well, very well in, in recession, but... I, I, I think the misunderstanding comes from the, the type of spend on games. Like right now, we're seeing... Um, you know, Steam usage at all-time highs, PC games flying off the shelves. Why? Because, you know, c- during recessions, uh, you know, people shift to alternatives, right? And, and entertainment in, in the form of games provides the highest entertainment value, you know, on, on a, on a per-hour basis, whatever, right? But IAP spend, and, th- and this is, this is the, the thing that um, I will kind of agree, not that free-to-play is dead, but free-to-play should be down. It should be. Yeah. Why? Because IAP spend is, you know, is discretionary quite easily, right? You could still keep playing. But like a lot of the, the, the higher spend, as we go, like if we go into a global recession, do I expect IAP spend to be down next year? Maybe like two years if we're in a recession for two years? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Is it is it gonna is it is it dead? No, but you know it's it's it, I'm you know I mean having being part of like a little bit of a down cycle to me doesn't doesn't mean anything. Of course, it creates, on the on the opposite side, it creates a lot of opportunities. I think absolutely. Um, I I will say this that um, based upon 
what has been happening in the market and based upon, you know, the, the fact that you've got these execs who always plan linearly. Right. Yeah, and so, yeah. so, so like <laughs> I I'm hearing from a bunch of different studios, a bunch of different people that uh, a lot of new game development budgets are, you know, are, are, are being slashed are being cut and being shifted to more. Hey, let's, let's allocate dollars more to the, the safe stuff, the live ops. And so th those budgets being down makes sense to me. And as an entrepreneur, that's not going to launch for a couple of years. I mean, that's that's great. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> keep yeah. taking away those new game budgets. <laughs> Clear the space for me, guys. <laughs> that's what I said. That's what I said. Like, like if, if if anyone asks me, like, okay, so it's free to play that. Yes, it's dead. <clears throat> go go away, please. Because then then it's like more room for me and then the right. I work with. Jakub. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's more of a question that you now you now need to put more effort for the same amount of revenue like a few years ago, I would say, because the the playing field just got kind of harder and you need to take in more factors into account that are I would say much more important now. So a good example would be for instance Survivor IO or something in that matter where like applying hyper casual mechanics in order to widen up the audience seems very very important now as it was i would say not that important a few years ago now it seems to me like a must have and yeah it's just because the cpi game is different therefore you need to you know pick up your cpi game and that's one of the uh, things look, to to the playing field you a manager over there <laughs> you, you need to pick up the cpi game oh, there you go okay what do you know about cpis mr Jakub? <laughs> You know, <laughs> listening to you from here and there. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, we do listen to you quite a lot, Marcia. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know, I know, I know. You open up fridge and then I, I'm there <laughs> looking at you, of course. No, okay. Uh, I think I have like one one segment that I added into the into the doc that nobody uh, saw before because I did it like in the in the in the afternoon yesterday. So that is well, I haven't seen like, anything anyway. Of course, so don't worry about it. Yeah, it's fine. So it's, it's called like what if segment. So it's like what would happen if, for example, ad monetization disappears? Of course, like Felix would be super sad. But Very what sad. would that mean? Yeah, I know. What would that mean for, for game design? Or, or JK, or maybe I can even talk about that. Anything mm. that comes into your mind. Again, it will be I'm... it will be harder now because a lot of games oh, are relying on that. Yeah, yeah, Jakub, Jakub, no revenue. bullshit. Come on. Yeah, yeah I know, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just thinking. Um, <laughs> you will probably need to focus more on conversion then because uh, ad monetization was that great kind of alternative source where you don't really need to go into conversion. So I guess special offers and segmentations would need to go on steroids. I would guess. Ooh, live ops on steroids. Okay. Okay, I think like what what if there is no App Store next year? It's only Google Play. What? Why would there be no App Store? Are, are you talking more about alternative app stores or? That's like what if? Yeah, what what if uh, like Apple just canceled the whole store? What would happen? <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's there. That, that, that's, that's rephrasing my question from two paragraphs upwards when course, I said like there will is. be an alternative App Store next of year. Of course, yeah, yeah there will be hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Already, there is already Samsung. There's already Huawei, and what else? Uh, do you think is? Uh, there's a bunch of Chinese alternative options. Oh, well, of course, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's true. But okay, uh, I think there is uh, Felix. There was one uh, one interesting uh, thing about the iOS in the U, uh, EU. Uh, 
Yeah, it got leaked, what was it, two days ago that uh, Apple is working on allowing sideloading for only in the EU and it's going to be rolled out basically in 2024. And that has quite interesting implications because then essentially that's the first time iOS will be open up to sideloading and that means there will be alternative app stores in the EU. Mm. Now, the interesting thing is if that follows in the US afterwards, I mean, US is a bit more friendly towards business compared to the EU, but that opens up quite a lot of possibilities. I've been thinking about this, like I, I could see all mobile carriers in like the EU making their own app stores and starting to compete head on with content to kind of keep their subscribers happy. So, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's going to be the carriers that win though, right? It might be more Microsoft with like a Game Pass type thing or... I'm sure I'm sure Epic's ready to like put put their put their stuff out there as well. Yeah. Um, it's good to mobile developers. There's gonna be a lot of money sloshing around to basically make games for these new like platforms, that's for but, sure. But, but isn't the side thing gonna be slapped with like twenty seven percent Apple tax cut? That wasn't leaked. No one knows. But knowing Apple, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, because, you know, if you're sideloading, you won't be on their payment rails. But, you know, they might charge a QA fee, right? <laughs> Something like that. I think like this, this vault garden approach will take more than this in order to break. Oh, I hate the term vault garden. Oh, come on. Come on, guys. All right. Anything, anything else interesting? It's, it's going to happen until the end of the year. I mean, it's already mid December, but I guess not going to happen. Right. Any any comments mm-hmm. about um any comments about like um shift in terms of the the current business models uh, more skewed towards the Netflix games focused on retention without IIPs or like game Xbox Game Pass subscriptions? I mean, I have no idea, but uh, I would I would definitely love to hear from that from you guys about it. Yeah, this is this is currently like a trend that I keep seeing, uh, even though like everybody is pretty much rolling their eyes on it in the industry, if I understand correctly, where Netflix is pretty much pushing either old free-to-play games that were not successful on their store without any monetization or ordering directly games that are supposed to be free-to-play without any monetization. So if I understand correctly, the whole thing is that make games that only focus on retention to keep people paying the Netflix subscription and that's it. And they're hiring like top talent in Finland to do that from free we to play. T- we like, talked about it so so much already. I mean, but I haven't seen anyone from the industry that says, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense for me." <laughs> like, like everybody is just like, "This yeah. doesn't make any sense in my my book," and also in my book, of course. So, if anybody is there, feel free to write us or you know tell us. But I don't think this is a viable strategy. Well, I guess it's not. But then. Uh... I have I have one other question since uh, and uh, JK already brought it up the um, our, like landscape now with VCs and everybody and uh, like funding in these days it's kind of hard or getting funding it's kind of hard right so if if uh, it well that's that's what I've been hearing at least from from the some of the guys I I mean I think okay I, I would say. Uh, Funds are, from my perspective, from what I'm seeing, from what I'm hearing, yeah. funds are still deploying. Now, I think it's going to be down, but they're still deploying. And mm. in some places, like I think here in India, man, I, I, I think uh, okay. I, I think they're ready to invest, right? <laughs> like, it, uh, I, so I, I think it depends on. Again, this is probably more situational context, but mm. okay. it does it does seem that you know uh, while. Um, 
I, 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 from what I'm hearing, I, I just think valuations are down a little bit, which it should have been down, right? Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a little bit more due diligence down because of all the, <laughs> all, all the news and other things. Uh, and so, like, you got to be a little, little bit more buttoned up. But I don't know. I'm not. I, I think um, there's a lot of great teams out there that seem to be able to get funding for pretty good valuations, and still, I, I think, um, and here in India, maybe very high valuations. So, you know, I, okay. I, I, I think it's still okay. like, yeah, okay. if, if you're out there and you're scared of trying to um, get funding in this environment, was it better six months ago? Hell yeah. 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 You, you, you waited too long, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you can still do it as far as I know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not seeing anyone who sh should, should have gotten funded, not get funded. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. So of course, I mean, it's, it's definitely harder. That's, it's yeah, the Web3 right. buzzword stopped working these days. Yeah, if you put Web3 <laughs> in your pitch deck, then it's... Yeah, you can't, you can't just slap a blockchain on a game anymore and get a bunch of funding. Yeah. yeah. Is there, there going to be a new buzzword that's uh, going to be slapped into the pitch decks? Or... Well, it's all, yeah, generative AI, right? Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Okay, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, okay, generative AI. Um, yeah. Everybody is talking about how the game teams are fucked now because, uh, like, the... Um, the new chat G, whatever. Uh, chat GP. Chat GPT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it can write code and can write like, uh, like design documents and even app store description. Um, it's, I would say, a little bit exaggerated. It was already banned on Stacked Overflow Forum <laughs> because the code was so wrong. Okay, well. But it, you don't see that on LinkedIn that much, you know, so... That's because you, you just read the surface titles. <laughs> no, it's JK, just, you know, it's not uh, that popular. Are you going to change any developers for AI? <laughs> no. Oh, okay, yeah, well, that's, that's not going to happen anytime soon. And like, I, of course, like, yeah. it's, it's interesting and, of course, it can help, but it's like... Uh, I, I hate it so much like when everybody's like, okay, well, there's a new thing and it's going to replace everybody. No. <laughs> No. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think like maybe not like the generative. I, I do think there are smaller niche applications for generative AI, but I do think that uh, large language models and other forms of AI, like uh, we're we're doing stuff with that right now, which I think could be pretty exciting. We'll see. But yeah, one of our features is largely a couple of our features, uh, one sh shorter term, one longer term will have a you know core basis in, in terms of being enabled by mm. a lot of the recent tech so uh it's not replacing anything but it's certainly yeah. gonna gonna enable some 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 cool shit so yeah yeah 100 percent. although i use i use mid journey for my newsletter and it's, it's working super well <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I spend a lot of time, like every day, almost like trying to to find out what's the what's the best prompt to <clears> use. It's it's fun. It's a lot of fun, but that's it, I guess. Okay, so let's let's end this uh, with one last question, which is uh, uh, which is this. So since you've interviewed like millions of people, JK on the Game mm -hmm. Makers uh, YouTube channel. What would you say is the the best advice you've heard how to approach like building free to play mobile games or any anything you you think can help like um, entrepreneurs starting their own companies? Uh, I don't no, know. No they're... bullshit. Don't yeah. don't, don't forget yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I can't think of any advice during a podcast. But you know, I haven't had that many interviews focused around 
mm, building okay. a game or a startup. But I, I would say my own advice would be if you're starting a company, uh, make sure your co-founder relationships are really good, right? It, it really is. I mean, you know, um, it, it, it she really goes, Yeah, she goes sideways. That's the yeah. One are you really going to be able to stick with your co-founders? I, yeah. I got lucky. Like the two guys I'm working with are are really good dudes. Um, you know, love those guys, but like, you know, I have seen a lot of, uh, un unhealthy and like, dude, it's, it's stressful enough. Like look how fucked up my face is right now. Right. Like it's stressful enough with, with the normal shit. And then if you've yeah. got, if you got co-founder bullshit also on the top um, of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's just, it, it's, it's going to be really, really hard to work out. So um, not, not, not saying that, you know, you can't have, uh, uh, relationships in which are, you know, where you have a lot of conflict that can't work. I'm not saying it's not going to work, mm -hmm. but I'm going to, I'm just going to say, you know, life is short. And, uh, so if you can find a group of co-founders that you really want to, you know, be, be in the entrenched warfare with, then that really helps a lot. Nice. Great. I think, so, yeah, someone I think, you can yeah. see on camera, basically. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you can actually see his face. Actually, we just wanted to surprise you. Remo is actually AI generated. That's not Remo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's AI a journey voice. right yeah. there. And we pre-recorded the questions and everything <clears throat> from the, from his end. Oh man! Oh, I'm gonna use Mid Journey to actually draw you for the podcast. <laughs> oh, genius! Oh, yes. Oh man! Amazing. <laughs> Perfect. And with that, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Please continue subscribing. We hit on YouTube 666 subscribers. Obviously, the overall number is close to 1.5K, which is amazing. Thank you very much for the support. And uh, please share the podcast with your industry friends, colleagues, dogs, and cats. That's, that's special. Thank you, JK, for coming. Uh, All good. Right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye -bye. See you later. Bye.